Texas Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Texas. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. The Houston Livestock at Rodeo Show is just days away now, and few in Texas have deeper ties to the event than President and CEO Dr. Chris Bullman. In this episode, HBJ Managing Editor Jonathan Adams connects with Chris to preview what will likely be the biggest and best event ever. Chris, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get started with the Rodeo Houston? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Everybody has their own story and it usually goes back a long time. And I'm one of those two. I grew up showing at the show. I was a 4-H kid from Brazos County and Bryan Call Stations where I grew up. And me and my brothers, we came here and showed our steers and our hogs here every year. Uh, This was, you know, our Super Bowl, so to speak. I don't know a year that I haven't been to the show since I was a kid. Uh, And so our whole lives, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo was really important to our family. Even my grandfather was involved as a judge in the Barrow Show, you know, from the 60s and 70s. And my dad was involved as both of those guys were A&M professors in agriculture. And so there's always been a connection with a lot of the competitive events with those faculty members. And so I've been coming in in different roles. And even after college, I came here and helped with a number of the contest as an official, a lot of the youth contest. And so my wife grew up showing here. She caught a calf in the calf scramble. She likes to tell me that story. She's actually on that committee now and she's on several committees. And so it's just a part of our DNA, uh, the Houston Livestock Show on the Rodeo. We love it here. And I was in a really good position at Texas A&M and uh, got a call seven years ago to see if I'd be interested in coming to the show. And this is probably the one place I'd have left A&M for because it means so much to our family. The excellence in education, the commitment to education, the promoting of agriculture, that's just kind of been in my family's DNA. And so came here seven years ago. I became the CEO during COVID, which was, that was tough. That was a tough run, but uh, right. we, we we definitely bounced back from that. And so uh, here we are. We just love this place. So what would you say excites you most about the organization? It's definitely the people. I mean, it's a people business. And I say that all the time. You know, it's 35,000 strong volunteers that give so much, man. It's really crazy. I'm getting asked all the time, you know, how do you compare it to other things and why can't we do it over here, or over there? And there's something about this community. There's a philanthropy to this community. There's a giving heart to this community. And it all just aligns for us, obviously, at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. But it's the relationships. It's getting to know people that are working towards the same goal. There's 35,000 volunteers. There's 140 or so staff. And, and how we work together to put this program on, it's pretty incredible. And so for me, it's always been about the people. Again, when I was a kid and I would see a, a, somebody with a gold badge, I could answer a question for me as I was running around. It's just always, to me, that's the real strength of the place. It's funny that you mentioned 2020 was your first year as CEO because that was my first year attending the rodeo. And a week later, <laughs> uh, COVID came and shut it down, which was a huge bummer. And um, so I was curious as to how you were able to navigate through all of that for the past couple of years. Yeah. So when we shut down, I was the chief mission officer at the time. And then Joel Kelly was the CEO. So we, a lot of us on the leadership team were working together and trying to figure that out. And then May came and then I, that's when I moved into the role, which meant that we had to plan for the next year with a very unclear path. 
And so we navigated through that by really uh, making a commitment to the mission is the best way that I would say it. Thank goodness a lot of smart people came before me, uh, became really before all of us that put us in a position where we could still put our mission first, do what we need to do. And what that resulted in in the 2021 show was we had a closed show to the public, as most people remember. We socially distanced, and but we allowed the kids to come in and show their projects. And we ended up having auctions in May as things softened up a little bit before they heated back up. And then we kind of had a window that we were able to do that. And then uh, we were able to make our scholarship commitment. But the most interesting part about that whole journey, and definitely it was a journey, is how much I learned about just how important this event is to this community. Because everyone was asking what was going to happen. And every time we would try to do something, I mean, people cared so much, obviously the volunteers, but really the entire community. It just so impacted me on how much this event means to this community. It truly is an event that brings everybody together. And so going through that and going through scenarios, I learned a lot about the business as the CEO because we were looking at, you know, at that time people were doing stuff at, you know, 25%, 50%. So we were we were balancing all that and looking at it and what happens if and what happens when. And it really did two things for our rodeo leadership. One, it allowed us to really evaluate everything as a whole and how it works. You never lose sight of trying to learn something in the middle of a crisis. And so we did sit back and say, okay, why do we do this? How does this look? You know, so forth and so on. And so that was the other piece. And it actually ended up yielded in a uh, in a strategic plan for our organization that we're really using as a roadmap moving forward, not only from year to year, but for the next five years and for the next decade and hopefully the next 90 years as we enter our 92nd year now. I kind of wanted to ask if you could elaborate a little bit on what the rodeo actually means to the community and as what it means to the industry as a whole, because I know people from all around the world come to visit the rodeo. Yeah, I think every year we do a, a pretty deep analysis and we do evaluations in a number of different ways to try to ascertain what people like and, of course, uh, what we can improve on like any event does. And so first part of our show is our international week, particularly from our livestock show point of view. So we'll have a number of people here with uh, an international flavor, so to speak, and they're looking at the genetics of the livestock and what they can take back to their community. We do a ton of educational programs that really highlight what our commitment is to agriculture in the state and the nation and around the world. And so we will have uh, folks from all over the place. And certainly there's a large amount of folks from Central America and South America because of the type of livestock particularly cattle that we have here. So it's very important. I think we end up having people from all 50 states, as you might expect, when you look at the 2.4 million people that come to the grounds. And so it is truly an impactful event that a lot of people want to be a part of. I think more specifically, Jonathan, as we look at what does it mean to the community, again, a lot of things we learned when you have a shutdown and then when you have a private show, how much loss takes place. And, and again, it's something you recognize of just how many people are impacted by our show. Uh, from it be you know food companies to tent companies, as you see across the grounds, the hotel, obviously, the hotel market, the tourism market. We know that it's a big deal for the 20 days of show, but even leading into it with the parade downtown, the barbecue, it's it's really you know more like a month. We do, from time to time, do an economic impact study. Our last one was done in 2019. 
we will be doing another one this year during show. So those of you that are listening, please help us out if you get asked questions. It's important that we can tell that story. We want to know. It's really important that we're a part of the community and that we're doing our part. And in 2019, that economic impact study yielded $227 million in total economic activity, $391 million in the greater Houston area. So it's definitely meaningful from so many fronts. For sure. Yeah. And so you also kind of teased that COVID helped you kind of plan ahead a little bit more. What kind of safeguards did the rodeo put in place to ensure, you know, that it can handle another unexpected event such as COVID? We spend a lot of time around here talking about uh, crisis management and we work with other shows and other events that are, you know, similar in, in scope to learn from each other. And so it's an ongoing conversation I will say, I don't think any of us ever predicted a pandemic or saw that coming. It's all kinds of other things. And so we have a staff that works here year round. Our committees do too. And certainly they beef up at different times of the year, but we spend a lot of time focusing on and prevention of things like cybersecurity. It's the reason why we have uh, a lot of security at our gates here. We do the things we do because we want to be best in class. This is considered a tier two event. And so we have a lot of support from law enforcement, from uh, the local, state and federal level. We're in constant communication with those guys as examples. But what we also learned coming out of the pandemic is that more and more people, when we first came back from our public presentation, more and more people were interested in, there were more questions about crowd size, crowd density, safety and security. So we've tried to do a better job of spreading things out. Uh, there's some things that have moved around on the grounds, so they're not next to each other. If they're you know high impact areas where there's big crowds that could be coming together, so we definitely have taken a look at that and trying to spread things out, changing some timing on things, working obviously with traffic because you know that's always something that comes up here. But those are some quick high level kind of things that come to mind. How would you say attendance has changed since 2020, if at all? The year that we first came back in 2022, it was kind of a slow ramp up because I think there was a lot of people thinking, is this going to happen or not? And there was still some some COVID spikes at the time. And so by the time we got to the end, though, what really happened is everybody said, oh, gosh, it's, you know, it's last week. I better get out there. So we had a... <laughs> We had a really large attendance the last week. Uh, and then last year, I think we were at 2.4 million people, which is, I think, the second most we've had. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a complete bounce back. And the year before, we ended up very close to that, too. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me from that year. Since we've been back the last two years, there's been zero concern or loss in terms of attendance. Uh, again, I think it goes back to just the pride of the community. And and again, we've tried to offer things for somebody or for everybody that may be a little different. And so we definitely looked at our audience. We talk a lot about the diversity of Houston. We see that in our lineup of trying to uh, some different acts that would attract uh, new folks to our show. One of our measures in our strategic plan is new attendees. And we ask that specifically in evaluations because we know that if we can get somebody here once, they're far more likely to come back. And so we want to generate excitement, particularly as many people that are moving to Houston that may not be as familiar with our show to try to get them out here because we know once we do that they're hooked. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too. In what ways are you trying to attract new attendees? 
Some of our committees, part of their work is communicating and working with the community and getting the message out. We have several committees that focus on working within the community to talk to folks, to get them excited about our show, to talk to them about our mission and what we do. So certainly that's some of it. We try to stay current with technology. Like this year, we have a new app that uh, I think will be far more interactive that will, I think, click with a younger audience that uses those more. We try to change up some of our commercial exhibit booths and and food vendors, and, and I've mentioned the lineup already. You certainly don't want to fix something that's not broke. So we know we have good stuff going here, but I don't know that it's anything, one big thing, but it's probably an annual just review of a lot of little things and making adjustments. For example, last year, we had our first ever drone show on a couple of Saturdays, and that got so much wreck. People loved it. And so that's something, okay, well, let's ramp that up. So this year, we'll do it every weekend. Again, young people really liked that. They thought that was cool and fresh and innovative. That's part of the DNA in our committee structure is that we have new leadership that comes up. Most leadership are in three-year rotations. And so it allows for new ideas. It allows for new thought. Obviously, this rodeo doesn't look like it did 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 70 years ago. So we want to continue to make the tweaks annually that take place. I always say one of our disadvantages is that we only have 20 days. So it's not like you can try something and then three months later, fix it. Like you could maybe do in a storefront or something because you kind of got 20 days and once you're in place, you're there. That's something we talk about all the time is can we pilot this? It's hard to pilot something that happens once a year for 20 days. So so again, lots of little tweaks. Another thing we did last year that was uh, met with very positively is we added a females event with breakaway roping in our stadium to highlight more women athletes. That went over extremely well. We're going to do that again. So those are just kind of little big things, maybe is a way to say it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I kind of touched on the drone thing. How did that idea come about? It was another joint kind of decision. We saw other events having drone shows. And so like everything around here kind of happens organically. There's just kind of a pitch of from a staff and working with a couple of committees and volunteers, just kind of aligning and seeing what this could look like. What would it be if we did something? How would it look? And that's just the way it happens here. It's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> Very nice. Speaking to the uh, the women athletes, what are you guys doing to kind of like boost that and get people more aware of it? That's a lot of partnership with the Women's Pro Rodeo Association, too. And of course, we have barrel racing, we have breakaway roping. And so there's other activities. A part of it is trying to figure out, you know, how do you put it within your presentation? That was the big kind of thing we had to really discuss it because it makes the rodeo longer, obviously. And then after the rodeo comes the entertainer. And so th- those are a lot of conversations that take place when you're trying to add stuff and do things. But even within our own horse show that happens in the arena, we've seen increases in some of the women events there too. So we just continue to work with our partners that are in that uh, space to see what works for us and, and what doesn't. And that one was a logical fit. I think, I, I, well, I know two years ago, we did it like every fourth or fifth day and And then once per series, because we have the different series that take place over the 20 days, last year we added it for every day. So another example of how you kind of start here and then you kind of grow it. Dr. Chris Bolden joining us. Next, what he's most proud of when Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual, we've worked vigilantly to investigate and prevent workers' compensation insurance fraud, which has resulted in over $13.5 million in restitution and recoveries for Texas businesses since 2018. Learn how your business is better at texasmutual.com fraud. 
What's something that you would say you're most proud of accomplishing since you took over as CEO? To me, I think it's really two things that uh, stand out for me. Is one is that COVID year that we had a private show. It was tough, but we still kids still came from all over the state to you know they raised their livestock projects. They were able to come here and show, and then of course we were able to meet the premium commitment to them, and then our scholarship commitment. And again, a lot of that was because we were in a place with our resources over the last ninety years where we were we've always been prepared for a rainy day. And so something you can't do every year, but we were in a position where we could go ahead and do that. Not everybody in our industry were able to do that. So to me, that was just a fantastic uh, moment and one I think that we should all be proud of from a community point of view that we're able to do that. And then secondly, I think it's probably the next year we, we were back and just being in the stadium the first night and seeing everybody back. Honestly, Jonathan, there was a lot of sleepless nights where I, you know, I was wondering, are people going to come back to events? You know, what's this going to look like? You know, right. because we got so comfortable being home. And, and I tell the story in several speeches, and this, I'll say it here, is what really got my attention during all that is when you saw some of these events that were at 25% attendance and you saw them all spread out when the football game started. But by the end, people were all together. And that's what gave me the most hope. Because at the end of the day, human beings are social creatures. They want to be together. They want to experience things together. And certainly that's what happened. And now for me, that's rearview mirror, but something, a hurdle that was a new hurdle for many of us in life, I guess all of us. And so it's how you respond to it. And we responded positively and learned from it. And our audience did as well. Absolutely. And so what would you say are some of the challenges people don't know go into putting on the radio? Uh, weather. It's funny. You can plan the best thing possible and then, and then you know, weather forecast. We're always cognizant of that. I think what a lot of people don't realize is it really is a year round gig. We are already planning for 2025 right now. We haven't even had the 2024 show yet. And so when you put on something of that magnitude for 20 straight consecutive days, you really have to plan precisely because it's not like it's a Saturday afternoon event and then maybe they're going to come back the following Saturday or what have you. It's an every day we make tweaks and then you see it always starts. There's going to be little problems you got to fix and so forth. And so you want to get to the smooth area as quick as possible. So certainly that's a big part of it is just understanding the size and scope of the planning that goes into it and the ongoing work, as I mentioned earlier, with the committees. I mean, it's the fundraising committees, for example, they're meeting really year round. And then our operating committees, as soon as the show's over, we're seeing what worked, what didn't work. So I think that's a lot of it is just the constant planning. Don't get me wrong. We stop and celebrate as well when it's finished, but just the amount of hours and the commitment it takes to do this for a month, basically. I get asked all the time, what do you do in summer? Well, we're budgeting, you know, we're getting bids, we're doing this, we're doing performance reviews, we're reviewing where we are as a staff, and then you go into fall, and then, you you know, that's when our new fiscal year starts. And so now you're securing things and you've got meetings to plan, you know, just all the above. So I would say those are the things that stand out. Yeah. And so I was curious about what you guys do to stay relevant year round. I mean, the rodeo is pretty iconic in itself, but what marketing efforts do you put forward? 
No question that that's been a real priority. Again, I go back to you know when we had the time with everything going on in the world, we did step back and say, uh, from a strategy point of view, what is our plan? Do we want year-round presence or do we just push towards kind of February and March? And we certainly made a commitment over the last few years to have a year-round presence. And we understand in the space we're in, there's going to be peaks and valleys and other events that take place. And and we understand that, but we do want to maintain some relevance. We do have some activities that happen at different times of the year, outside of February and March, as I like to say around here. I think what you've seen, particularly over the last, I don't know, year, two, between 18 months or so, is a strong commitment to our social media presence to really highlight and tell stories about our show and what we do here. And we take time to really highlight the four different pillars of the mission. We spend some time making sure people understand our agriculture culture commitment, our educational commitment. We typically recognize that's a big summer activity for us. That's when we recognize an award scholarship. So that's always big. And then just our commitment to Western heritage and then obviously what we do for the community. So we are there. We understand there's certainly a lead up. I like to say around here, the lead up is always the entertainer lineup and then boom, it kind of takes off through the, but we have been very purposeful of trying to do more outside of those months to tell that story. And again, I think you'll see most of that through our social media efforts and some activities. For example, this past year, we did a high school trailer build-off with our AgMec kids. The public loved it. The news loved it. And it just showed the commitment that we have, things that, and what these kids are doing year-round that we can highlight too. And so speaking of entertainers, what does it take to attract big names like Blake Shelton, 50 Cent, and Megan Thee Stallion? I'll tell you, it's an interesting process. It really is. And it's one everybody uh, wants to talk about and always have a lot of interest because obviously it's the one people react to on social media the most. And again, as I mentioned earlier, and this is no different, it takes a year to get them all booked. And there's so many different variables in place. And so I'll just say a few things that a lot of the entertainers that have been with us before, they understand it. They understand our mission. We're competitive with our financial offers, but we also are a charitable mission. And so we have to keep that in balance. And so that's something we talk about a lot. And man, it's so many of our artists really believe in our mission and they, and they help us out. And this year was very unique because we have 10 brand new artists that have never been here before. So we're certainly pumped about that. And so from the planning point of view, you look at a couple of, there's a couple of different variables. One is obviously the money and the performance fees. Two is what's the community asking for? What are they interested in? And so, for example, as a part of our evaluations that we do during show and post show, we do seek, we ask their, you know, what they're interested in. And then thirdly, it's really kind of about planning and putting people in different spots. So many artists are uh, particularly coming out of our COVID environment. There's a lot more tours that are happening. Even you can see that in Houston, there's a lot more shows, a lot more concerts. And so, you know, people are being sensitive to, they don't want to oversaturate the market. They want to time things based on their tours. And so it's a little bit of all that. We have some strong partners in Nashville and LA that help us kind of like I started at the very beginning when I talked about the people business, it's a relationship business as well. And so, you know, last year we put Brad Paisley in our hall of fame because he played here so many times to uh, over a million fans. And so He's a perfect example of, of somebody that feels real strongly about what we do. And the music industry is so different. I mean, it changes so fast. Here's new artists like Lainey Wilson, who's going to be here for the first time, uh, but she's 
currently the entertainer of the year in country music. It's so the same for Jelly Roll. Those two, for sure, uh, there's been a lot of interest in them. 50 Cent, you mentioned 50 Cent. So I'll tell you, he's been a great uh, friend of ours since he's come to Houston. He participates in our wine competition. He's had a couple of medals and champion wines, and he really loves uh, the rodeo. So we're excited to get him on the stage. So there's no perfect fit, no step one, step two, step three. You know, you get to the end and you've got a date that you haven't filled and, you know, who's available and what else are they doing and, and so forth. So I don't know if I've answered your question because it's a little bit of magic, a little bit of art, a little bit of science and, and probably a little bit of luck, to be honest, to get them all lined up. Yeah. When I first arrived in Houston and I saw the lineup, I was blown away because I, I did not expect to see such diversity in the music and the choice of artists. And part of that is just a reflection of the community, too. It is a very diverse community. And so an artist like this year, like Ivan Cornejo, man, he is he's done really well in our pre-sales. And, and so I think that's going to bring a lot of first timers out to our show. And again, that's what we're trying to do. We want to make sure that people know we like to get them out here and then get them a part of the culture here. They start to understand the mission and what we do. And then it it takes off from there. It's It's a really nice model. Definitely. And so I guess my last question is, uh, what are the future plans for the rodeo? Good question. And so one of the things that we have been working hard on here is looking at crowd size, crowd control. How do we spread out things so that people have a positive experience while they're here? And I'll tell you, when we look at grounds and we look at numbers of 150 to 160,000 people here in one day, we have seen a relationship between that and maybe not enjoying themselves quite as much because the lines are long, restroom lines are long, you know, food lines are long. And so there's no question that as we look towards our future, we have to figure out how we can continue to expand and grow our landscape and our real estate. And so for the event itself. And so that's something that that we're always thinking about. We have been at the park. We're the longest serving tenants at NRG Park, and we certainly love being here. Our lease is coming up in 2032. And so we're trying to work to obviously uh, extend the lease. And But at the same time, we're also looking at, we do have property that we utilize during show uh, across the street, the old Astroworld property. Uh, and so how can we use that to help grow our floor plan to offer what our fans want? And so that's certainly a part of our long range plan of extending the lease. And then also where do we fit to grow? Everything we do here, I always say around here, everything we do here, we tend to outgrow. And so, which those are good problems to have, but we know our horse arena is aging. We know we need to do something there. So all of it's a part of how we expand. And so a lot of it is tied to how we work locally to get our lease extended. Well, Chris, I really appreciate your time. This was fantastic. I'm a big fan of the rodeo, so. Well, you got your tickets. You're coming to see us, right? Absolutely, I am. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. It's a lot of fun. This is great. Thank you all for all your support. I mean, you guys are such strong supporters of us. Another example of it takes all of us to put this on. So thank you for having me today. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Texas. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.